Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. One of the things that God desires within the family of God is that there would be unity. If you read through your New Testament, you'll find that when there's unity, there's strength, there's power. When there's a lack of unity, you'll see there's a lack of power. And the same is true with the church. When the church is united, it's powerful. It's a powerful, powerful thing when a community of people are all of one heart and one mind. It's powerful. And that's something that the enemy is always working to disrupt. Did you know that there's a battle raging all around you? But this war isn't over land or money. It's about unity among God's people. You see, God's enemies knows the quickest way to gain footing is by instigating chaos and ushering in dissension. So that's his goal. He wants to fracture the unity that followers of God have because of Jesus. Today, Pastor Bill encourages you to fight back by asking God to show you where this is an issue in your life. Allow him to change your heart and grow you in unity. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Numbers chapter 10 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. So they're going into this promised land battle situation with many promises. God says, wherever you guys put the foot of your feet, it's yours. Right here, God says, when you guys go to war against your enemies in the promised land, because there are going to be battles in the promised land, God says, when you blow that trumpet, I'll remember you and I'll take care of your enemies. When you read this, do you think there should have ever been fear going into the promised land? But there was. They didn't, we're going to see as we keep going through this, the children of Israel occupied so little of what God had promised them. Just a, just a fraction. Just a small percentage of what God said was all theirs. They only got just a little bit of it. And the main reason, why, it was a couple things. Disobedience and fear. Disobedience didn't let them get in. So there's going to be a whole generation that dies in the wilderness because they just wouldn't obey God. They wouldn't believe God. They wouldn't trust God. There'll eventually be people that go in, but we don't get to really go in till Joshua. So we're in Numbers, Deuteronomy, then Joshua. Finally, Joshua's going to be the one to lead them in. Moses is only going to get them up to the, to the brink. And Joshua's going to finally be the one to get in there and start having some victories. But even then, you go all the way through the book of Joshua, they only got a fraction of what God had. So how do we make sure that that's not the case for us? Here, God is saying, look, when, I, when you call, I'm going to answer. When you blow that trumpet in obedience to me, God says, I'm going to be there. I want you to trust me. And I think for you and I, that when we pray, when we call out to the Lord, there is a weakness in praying to God without believing. So if I pray and we call out to God, but there's no faith, does that faith please the Lord? Does that faith move God? No. God does not move by prayer that's not accompanied with faith. Now, some people think that faith has to be, well, I'm praying and because I have faith, I'm declaring what God will do. That's not faith. Faith is in God's ability to do anything. So there's never anything I'm going to ask God to do that my faith will say, God, there's, you can't, there's nothing you can't do. So this thing I'm asking, it seems huge. Healing cancer, or moving an a, a issue, or providing in a, in, a, in a tight situation. But I know that for you, it's nothing. So my faith says, God, there's nothing you can't do. So I'm asking someone, I'm asking my God, I know you can do anything. The question is not, can you? 
The question in prayer is, are you willing? Is this your will? And that's why we're taught to pray, your will be done. But we want to pray with faith. Some people come praying, but they don't. if you pray and don't believe God can, don't believe God's willing. I don't even know God's listening to me, but I'm going to just pray anyway. You know, we don't want to come before the Lord like that. God, I know that you're good. I know that you love me. I know there's nothing you can't do. And I, I want your will to be done. And since it's your will that I pray, I'm praying. I'm calling out. I'm putting it forth and trusting it with you. When it comes to spiritual warfare, spiritual battle, we can go with great confidence, right? There's nothing we're supposed to be afraid of. At different times, especially when I worked at my, my old, the old church I was at, we would get calls all the time. And there were people that were calling because they were having demonic um, things going on at home or they felt like someone at home was possessed or some people thought their home were possessed, which is crazy. Your home can't be possessed, but it's the people in the house. So uh, we would get called and there were some of the guys that felt like, I don't want to go on those calls. You know, I don't want to go. I'm trying to go have lunch. And, you know, me and a, there was a few of us that were like, you know, if, if, if the Bible's true, right? If, if he has all authority and there's nothing he can't do, then it, to me, it was actually, it actually built my faith when I saw at times the Lord deliver people from demonic oppression, deliver them. Not that it's something you're excited about. It is freaky. It is weird. It does to your flesh. It is a, it's a, it's just, you're seeing something that's not right, something that's very out of place. But on at least there's several occasions where I've gone with other brothers and prayed and it wasn't a big loud crazy we weren't saying we right now we cast you out of the name it was just like this I promise God we know that you're more powerful than anything in this room we know that you're the king of kings the lord of lords and we just ask right now if there's anything in here that's not of you if there's demonic presence if this person has demons and would you cast them out Lord would you clean them would you remove them because you can because you have all the power in Jesus name just simple no screaming no yelling no we didn't stomp at the demons or nothing like that and watching at times not every time but watching times when you pray that and a person was removed of demons and a person that was previously in this condition now in this condition and I would walk away and just be like wow like I know God is real I know God is powerful but just it's just reaffirmed right I'm just reminded again of how powerful God is when we call upon him we didn't go in there calling upon nothing else you walk into a situation like that, you know you don't have the power. I'm not talking to the demon. Um, I hear these guys on TV say, I told the devil to get out of my face. And I said, I don't have a time to do a Bible study on that, but I'm going to just tell y'all right now. We don't want to be approaching the devil or demons in us like that. And Jude, he says, he didn't even, you know, speak that way to them, to the, to the demons or whatever. You, you don't approach them like that. Jude said, I said, the Lord rebuked you, Satan. You always put the Lord in between you and the enemy. Don't forget that. Don't let these people on TV have you walk around your house talking about devil. You know, I promise. That's, that's not what God would have you to do. I'm not calling out to the devil. Think about how dumb that is, first of all. Why am I talking to the devil? I got a relationship with God, right? Any conversation I have with the devil, I'm talking to a liar. I'm talking to someone that wants to steal, kill, and destroy. I'm talking to someone that's an adversary, an enemy. I don't talk to the devil. I'm talking to the Lord. Lord, whoop him. Get him. I'm calling him. So anyway, God tells him here, when you blow this trumpet, I'm going to remember you and I'm going to take care of your enemies. And it's a promise. Letting them know that he's going to come through for them. He's going to be there in those times. Look at verse 10. Also in the day of your 
gladness in your appointed feasts. And at the beginning of your months, you shall blow the trumpet over your burnt offerings and over the sacrifices, over your peace offerings. And they shall be a memorial for you before your God. I am the Lord your God. And let me stop before I go to 11 through 13. In verse 10, he says, even when it's good, right? In the good times, when you're worshiping, when you're bringing sacrifices to me, God, so I want you to blow them then too. We can be pretty good about calling out to the Lord in times where we're pressed, times of warfare, times of battle, when we know we need him. But when do we forget about God? When it's good. When it's good, when everything is going well. That's when people mess up the worst. I, I Just in doing church for these many years, when people are tightest with the Lord, many times, sadly, it's when they're going through something. They have a need, something pressing. I need God to come through. I know I can't mess up right now. I, I need from God. So there's a, there's a holy, there's a sanctification that comes because I need God to answer this prayer. And most of us don't understand grace and think that I got to be really, really good. So God will come through for me. And so there'll be the holiest moments of your life waiting on God to come through. But let, let, let them get that job. Let them get that car. Let them get those things. And many times it's, it's then, it's, it's when everything's going great. That you look at it's like, hey, where they been? I haven't seen that brother, that sister. Oh, they, they got some stuff now. Things are going well right now. Money's in the bank right now. Having a good time right now. And then when it all crumples down, they'll be back. They'll be back. So we want to be cautious about that. God tells them here, hey, during the feast times, that means during the good times, in the day of your gladness, he said, in the appointed feast, I want you to do it then too. I want to be remembered then too. I want you guys gathering together then too for the purpose of worshiping me. And so we want to be careful that we don't treat God like a, like a 911 God. God, in times of emergency, we call you. The rest of the time, we got it. But we want to be people that remember him at every season. God, when it's great, I want to remember why it's great. I want to remember you then too. I want to worship you for being good to me. I want to thank you for your provision. I want to thank you for sustaining. I want to thank you for just the gladness that I can enjoy what I'm enjoying right now because of you. It doesn't have to get bad for me to seek you wholeheartedly. And, and then when it's tough or in a time of war, I'll call you then too. I'm always wanting to be in contact. Think about this. It's like a love relationship. So when you think about if you have a, a spouse, a husband, a wife, you guys should be able to share in the good times. Um, you guys should be able to come together and comfort each other in the bad times and, and in the stuff in between, right? There shouldn't be, in most, if it's a most decent marriage, I'm thinking if it's a, a time of difficulty, you guys are coming together and like, okay, we got to really bind together and just battle through some difficulties. And then when, in times of plenty and times of greatness, y'all should enjoy it together. Should be a time, well, wait, we're rejoicing together. Shouldn't be like, well, now I got some money, I don't want you. You know, that's a bad marriage. That's a marriage that's probably not going to make it, you know. So we don't want to be doing God like a bad marriage. I'm, I, I love you when I don't have nothing. When only I love you a whole lot when I need you. And then when I don't sense, because there really truly is never a time when you don't need them. But when you don't sense the need because things look like they're going okay, that's when our hearts really get tested. Where is my heart really at with the Lord? Many times it's shown and it's proven when things aren't going the way I would like when I don't have some of the things I would, I would prefer to have. Do I still love him? Do I still worship him? Does he still have all of my heart? Am I still calling out to him? Am I still gathering together with him? Um, even still, um, good times, bad times. Look at verses 11 through 13 now. Now it came to pass on the 
20th day of the second month in the second year that the cloud was taken up from above the tabernacle of testimony. And the children of Israel set out from the wilderness of Sinai on their journeys. Then the cloud settled down in the wilderness of Paran. So they started out for the first time according to the command of the Lord by the hand of Moses. And so here, this is the first, when it says they handed out for the first time, this is the, these are the first steps that they're finally heading over toward the promised land. And so just a reminder of where they've been from. So they were redeemed from bondage and slavery in Egypt. Then they were instructed in worship and God's sacrificial system, how to, how to stay in a right standing with the living God. Then they were, be, they were organized according to their, their, their tribes and, and ranked and camps. And then the children of Israel at this point are taking their first steps forward. And as I was looking at this, I was thinking of, again, where's, where's the New Testament application for you and I? Think about what God did for them. When he found them, they were in bondage. They were enslaved in Egypt. He got them out of that trouble, brought them out of slavery. Then he begin to, to, to give them new instructions, show them how to have a right relationship with him. After that, got them, them kind of ordered and put in the tribes. Everybody got given direction. We, we covered that in Leviticus. We covered it early in Numbers. Everybody was given their, their job description. This is what your tribe does. This is what your tribe does. Everybody has some part to play. And now, now it's time to move out. Now it's time to move forward. And so the cloud is going to move and they're going to be called to move forward for the first time. So for us, We've been, everybody here, we, we, weren't in, we weren't in Egypt in slavery, but we were in slavery to sin, and God has redeemed us from that. And so everybody here that's a believer, you've been redeemed from the hand of the enemy. You've been purchased by the blood of Jesus. He's redeemed you. And so you're no longer a slave to sin. You're no longer a slave to the, to the enemy. We've been redeemed from sin. In the same way that the Egyptians were set free from Egypt and from slavery, what is Egypt the type of in the, in the Bible? It's the type of the world. So you and I, not just been forgiven, we've been set free from bondage to this world, right? This world doesn't have a stranglehold on us like it used to have. We don't have to conform to the ways of this world. You know, a couple studies ago in Romans 12, we learned about that, that we're not conforming to this world, but we're being transformed by the renewing of our mind. We've been freed from that. God has done that in our lives. God has instructed us on worshiping him, how to come before him, how to worship him, how to walk with him. And just like them, as they're being called forward now, God also wants us to be a people that are ordered that we're walking together, we're, we're walking in unison together. Again, one thing I know here is that God is saying, I want, I want everybody moving together. God wants there to be a unity as believers move forward. And so many times the things that God desires heavily are the things that the enemy works against heavily. One of the things that God desires within the family of God is that there would be unity. If you read through your New Testament, you'll find that when there's unity, there's strength. There's power. When there's a lack of unity, you'll see there's a lack of power. And the same is true with the church. When the church is united, it's powerful. It's a powerful, powerful thing when a community of people are all of one heart and one mind. It's powerful. And that's something that the enemy is always working to disrupt. And so I would challenge everybody here to consider yourself and how you function among the body of Christ? And do you participate in a way that helps unity? 
Or do you do things to chip away at unity? What chips away at unity? Disgruntled people, talking about people, putting down other people. You know what she said? I don't agree with that situation. I just, you know, just those are the things that just disrupt unity in a, in a body of believers. The thing, the way we overcome that is through love, right? If we recognize that in a body of Christians, it's impossible that we all be the same. God wouldn't even want us to all be the same. You know how weird that would be? If everybody here were just like me, it would be weird. I wouldn't even want to be here. God's made us different, and the beauty of unity is that you have different kinds of people, different kinds of personalities, all kind of coming together, loving Jesus together. And so we have to work at that. In the same way, if you have a family, I'm sure that many of us are blessed to have family times when there's unity and sweetness. And it's a grievous thing when families are fighting and feuding and acting up. And God looks down at his family, and it's probably one of the most divided families in all the world. Some places in the world, they say Sunday is the most segregated day of the week because everybody worships with their own culture. So that's something I know that God, that I don't think that pleases the Lord because this is not a cultural thing. It's a Jesus thing, right? I don't think that pleases him when we gather together and now because people won't really hold to the word, the word really should be the thing that unifies all of us. We all working out the same book, so we should all be believing the same things. But when you have places that don't really put a high priority on the word, now we have churches where they say this and this other church says that and then there's all this disunity within the churches. It doesn't please the Lord. So we just want to do our part. God desires that there be unity among believers and we want to work towards that. We want to at least make sure that on our end that we're part of unity, uh, that we're doing what we can do to walk in unity among one another. That we're not bringing the division, that we're not participating in a divisive way, but that we're helping see unity among God's children, God's people. So, uh, again, in, in the same way that they're all called out together, God, God does want us to move together. And I thought of in the book of Acts as God had them waiting, waiting for the Holy Spirit to fall. When did he come? They were, there was a time of prayer and they were all, all the disciples were together, were all of one heart and of one mind. They were in one place on one accord. And that's when the Lord fell upon them in power and they moved out and they accomplished great things. Thousands were coming to the Lord. Disciples were being made. Um, God was moving among them greatly. You know, as you look at Acts, when the work came to a halt, when there was division over doctrine in chapter 15, I believe, and they had to call the leadership, they had to call the apostles to come together. The work came to a halt before that. Salvation's over here, churches planted over here, believers moving over here. It was, it was cracking, it was going. And then there was division over the rules. They said that, you know, we have to be circumcised and do this and that to be saved. They said, stop, everybody stop. The work stops, everybody come together. We haven't have a meeting, so we can get back on the same page. And all the work stopped until after the Jerusalem council. Then they got their instruction. Then they were back on one accord. And then the work began again. And so you look at that and just think, wow, when... When there's no unity, the work stops. It, it, it quenches what God wants to do. So we want to be mindful of that. Uh, we don't want to be a part of the work coming to a halt. We want to be a part of the work moving forward. And so now look at verse 14. The standard of the camp of the children of Judah set out first, according to their armies over, over their army was Nashon, Nashon, the son of Amenadab, over the army of the tribe of the children of Ishakar was Nethanel, the son of Zuar. And over the army of the tribe of the children of Zebulon was Eliab, the son of Helon. 
Then the tabernacle was taken down and the sons of Gershon, the sons of Merari set out carrying the tabernacle. Remember, that was their job. Those are the ones that were carrying all the parts of the tabernacle because now that they got to move out, everybody's got to grab their stuff. So there's a tribe whose job was to carry the, the outer stuff from the tabernacle. There's another tribe that had all the nuts and bolts and pieces to put it back together. So the tabernacle had to be broken down, packed up, and everybody's got to be ready to go and do their part. Again, this reminds me of body ministry that God said, right now, I'm calling us to go and I need everybody to do their part. There are times when as a body of believers, right, God wants to mobilize us to do something. But in order for us to really be able to be mobile, everybody's got to be willing to do their part. And if the sons of Merari would have said, man, we don't want them to go right now. We will, we will go next week. You guys going ahead of us. Then that, it would have just ruined it, right? They could have moved forward without them. They could. But now they don't have a tabernacle. They don't have a place to meet and worship and do all the things that they're supposed to do. The work would be hindered. So know that in the body of believers, the body of Christ, that you're, you play a part, you possess certain gifts. And if you don't respond to God's call to service and involvement, then you're, you're like that part that will be missing when God says, hey, I want to move forward. I want us to all do this. And we'll be missing something because you're not there with what you bring. So everybody wants to be a part. Everybody should be, whatever your part is, you want to be faithful to do that part when the body is called to, to, to serve together. So they're all moving forward. Verse 18, and the standard of the camp of Reuben set out according to their armies. Over, the, over their army was Eliezer, the son of Shadur. Over the army of the tribe of the children of Simeon was here go these names again. Y'all forgive me. Shalumiel, the son of Zer-Ishadai. Zer, Zer oh, man. And over the army of the tribe of the children of Gad was Eliashaph, the son of Duel. Whew. Then the Kohathites set out carrying the holy things. The tabernacle would be prepared for their arrival. So, this is the way here. The Kohathites' job was to carry the holy things. They had the, the articles for worship. And the deal was they were, they were back in the, in the, you know, you got the whole company moving forward. They were going to be lagging a little bit. They're, they're supposed to get there. When they show up, everything's supposed to be set up for them to bring these things in. And so notice that they're counting on, said the Kohathites set out carrying the holy things. The tabernacle would be prepared for their arrival. That means that the other groups were to go ahead and get their job done. So when the Kohathites come, they're able to bring the articles and put them in their places. And I just want you to see how everybody's dependent upon everybody else. And if somebody would have decided not to do their part, how it would have messed it up for somebody else. What if the Kohathites show up and they've been on this long journey, they got the heavy stuff that they're carrying and they get there and they're supposed to just be able to go and set it up and they get there and it's not set up yet. Now they got to stand around because the other group didn't move out. They didn't do what they were supposed to do. They didn't get there. They, they didn't get there and set up like they were supposed to. And that doesn't happen here, but it does happen in the body of Christ where there are times where you got somebody not in place, somebody supposed to be somewhere, not somewhere. I tell people that serve, right? If something happens and you can't be there, you got to say something. You got to call. You got to let somebody know. You cannot just not show up. I, I take that as a, as a huge disrespect. If you don't call and don't show, nobody does that at work that still has a job. You don't never not call, not show. But when you don't call or show, 
it's almost to me like saying, I don't value what I do. I don't think it's that big a deal. And if you guys have to go without it or someone's not prepared to do it, I'm, I don't really care that much about it. That's all we have time for today on The Transforming Word. Thanks for tuning in. Pastor Bill Buffington has been teaching through the book of Numbers, and we pray that it's been eye-opening for you. In this book, you see how God dealt with sin and disobedience in the Israelite camp, but you also get a sense of how God delights in obedience and a soft heart. The people then were no different than people today. It's all human nature, plagued with the curse of sin, but God didn't leave their side, and He remains by your side today. So if you're ever in doubt about God's goodness, faithfulness, or steadfastness, be reminded that God cares about you, loves you, and is there for you. We hope you continue to learn more from the book of Numbers, and we encourage you to read ahead on your own. If you're interested in listening to additional teachings from Pastor Bill, you can find them on our website at calvaryinglewood.org. We'd be happy to meet you too. If you live in the Inglewood area or happen to be passing through, come join us for worship this weekend. You can get service times and location information at calvaryinglewood.org. You'll even find links to stream our services if you're unable to be with us in person. Then you can catch up on previous messages online. That website again is calvaryinglewood.org. Before you go, we want you to know that we're grateful to have you as part of our listening audience, and we pray you continue to look to Jesus. Thanks again for joining us, and be sure to catch our next edition of A Transforming Word.